Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about the thing under the thing under the thing. What is it that's driving your behaviors, your frustrations, your emotions? What is it that's driving the behaviors? What happens if we shift our paradigm to consider a person's story and their emotions before we judge their behaviors? Not that we shouldn't look at their behaviors, but what if we look at both? Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello. Welcome back. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever time it is that you listen to this. Hope it's been a good day or about to be a good day. Uh, I love this time of year. I love the fall, crisp mornings, the frost on the ground. I'm not an overly big fan of snow and winter. I I think that's proof that uh, I'm getting old. My kids tell me that's proof that I'm getting old, but pretty much everything I do, they say, is proof that I'm getting old. Uh, But I, I do, I love this time of year. November is one of my favorite months of the year. And I'm excited that we are at November 1st. November 1st, of course, also means that we are eight weeks away from a new year, from 2022. I'm not even sure I'm done processing 2021 yet, and I'm already having to start planning for 2022, which in some level is just unreal to me because as we you know, as we get into rhythms of life, I felt like I was in a good rhythm you know, in 2019, rolling into 2020, uh, I felt like I was in a pretty good rhythm. Um, my oldest daughter was graduating high school. My two younger daughters, or my middle daughter, and my youngest daughter, were transitioning into high school. And, and you know, I felt like we were in a good rhythm. And, and then, like life often does, it took a severe curveball. And uh, which, by the way, I hope when this episode drops, that the Atlanta Braves will be. World Series champions. Um, I'm not necessarily a Braves fan, but I am a fan of the Astros losing because they cheated in 2017. If you're not a baseball fan, don't turn it off. I'm not going to go into a baseball uh, conversation, although I do love baseball and the conversations that follow. Uh, But as the curveball of life that became COVID and then the different things that happened, if you're a business owner, you know about these different things, right? Vendors don't pay you. Uh, you're sitting one day, you're sitting and you're thinking, you know what? I'm doing good. I'm moving forward. And then all of the sudden you're not because something came up that you have zero control over. You only control how you respond. And I was going to do this whole episode about that idea. It's not a new topic, but I was going to talk about, you know, like, okay, we need to look to 2022 and we need to look to how are we prepping for 2022? What are the goals that we want to accomplish? What are our intentions that we're going to set? What are our character development things? What are the habits that we want to foster? What are the behaviors that we want to engage in? How will we measure success for 2021? When we get to the end of the year and we look back, how will we decide whether or not it was a successful year? And and I got this whole little thing written up about all of that. Uh, on my Facebook page, I asked a question you know, how do you know if you win at life? And, and whenever I ask that question, I'm always fascinated 
by the people who say, well, you can't win at life. Okay, I- I'm about to offend somebody who said that who might be listening to this episode. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's silly. Uh, if you can lose at life, and we all know people who have lost at life, you can win at life. And, and I know that some of the people that, that give that answer... They, they give it because they think, well, okay, if, if I win, that means somebody loses. They think about it like the World Series, right? If the Braves win, then the Astros have to lose. If the Astros win, then the Braves have to lose. And okay, yep, I'm, I, I get that. But that isn't how life works. The beautiful thing about life, not sports, not even businesses, but sometimes in businesses too, you can win and I can win both, or we both can lose. And, and life is not a zero-sum game. You can lose at life. And someone else can win, but you don't have to lose if they win. That's really important, and that's something that we have to consider. And then I realized, too, that some of my friends who answered, well, you can't lose at life or win at life, uh, they're coming from a religious perspective, and they're afraid that they're going to somehow not give God his due, uh, you know, if they say, well, this is how I win at life. Uh, But the reality is you only go around the sun so many times— And how you spend that life matters. How you spend your life matters. The things you give your life to matter. And and this is something that as I age, and I talked earlier about feeling old, my kids telling me I'm old. As I get older, this is something that I, I, I am just more and more thoughtful of. And, and one of the things that I don't like about, you know, different trends is when people are like, if you could write your younger self a letter, what would you say? The truth is it's actually a really good therapeutic tool. But I've always been like, well, that's kind of silly because my younger self, even if he reads it today, it's too late because my older self is here. And I'm not, I don't want to be a person who's caught looking in the rearview mirror consistently. I want to know where I came from. I want to know what I've, I've endured, what I've overcome, the mistakes I've made so I don't have to repeat them, the successes I've had so maybe I can repeat them, but I don't want to be caught looking in the rearview mirror. My 20s happened, they, they were what they were, and, and now I need to move on. But the idea, if I could somehow convey to the 20s Joe, hey man, this is a short ride you will snap your fingers and you will be old. You will be closer to death than you are to birth, just with the snap of a fingers. Enjoy it, make the most of it, and spend it wisely. That would be my letter to my younger self. So even though I just made the voice that I know some people don't like, uh, and I've told you if you don't like them, probably isn't the podcast for you, that would be my, my note to my younger self. Enjoy the time, but also spend it wisely and spend it wisely. And so I had this whole thing that I wanted to do and, and, and that I wanted to record and I wanted to share with you about all of that. And I'm not going to record any of it today, which doesn't mean that I won't share it with you in the future, but it won't be today. What I, we are going to talk about today is fear. We're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about pain. My job is to sit with people often where those three things, fear, trauma, pain, make up the majority of their current situation. Uh, Tuesdays for me are full of people in immense pain. 
Tuesdays, most days are full of people that I sit with, right? The people that I sit with are sessions that are full of people who are afraid. I got a ton of emails about Halloween. And what do you do when your child doesn't want to go trick-or-treating, but you think it's because of fear? And then I sat in a session with a guy whose son is my son's age, and his son didn't want to go trick-or-treating. Actually, I have to take that back. His youngest is my son's age, so his son is, I don't know, early teens, um, maybe 12, 13, but didn't want to go trick-or-treating and, and was literally crying in the car about it, and, and, and the father was like, what's going on? And it, it turns out that there were some individuals that had mistreated the son in a very egregious way, that were also out trick-or-treating in that area. And my guess, we weren't able to uncover this for sure, but my guess is that there was fear there. So let's let's just unpack this for a minute. One of the things that I, I think we need to consider is that we are a divided society, and I get that. Um, perhaps we always have been. I had someone point out to me once, well, we fought a civil war, weren't we divided then? Yeah, sure we were, and I don't know that we want to go back to that, but, you know... Um, we are a society that is divided, and I think the the thing that we have to consider is that we're divided not because of ideology. And I know that that sounds uh, counter to what we typically hear. I don't actually think we're divided because of ideology. I, I think we're actually divided because of the fear of what we think will happen if the ideology that we hold doesn't become everyone's ideology. And, and let me explain this for a minute. I was talking to a parent about parenting, and, and one of the things that I talked about was that often the kids who we say, and by we I mean adults, oh, they just want attention, I, I wonder what would change if we actually said they're seeking connection. What would happen if we moved from this ideology or, or this, this, not really ideology, but this paradigm of they're acting out, they just want attention, to they're acting out, they must need connection. And this is something that I, I need to be really honest with you. My wife has taught me over the years with our own kids. What does it mean to have, for a child to need connection? And what I'm asking here is, what if we started with when a child is acting out, they're not actually just looking for attention just for the sake of attention, they're actually looking for connection. Okay, well, Joe, what does that have to do with fear, pain, and trauma? Well, what it has to do with is often what happens is when we're afraid that we're going to lose connection, we do behaviors that actually put us at risk to lose connection. And those behaviors get labeled as a cry for attention. And, and, and you know me, labels matter. Labels matter more than we care to admit. And I know in 2021, we're like, oh, we need to get rid of labels. Labels are terrible. Why do you have to label it? Because labels matter. Words matter. Identity matters. Terms matter. And the idea that they don't is just silly. It's just silly. And, and so when we say, oh, they're just looking for attention, we miss what's actually going on. We miss the opportunity to truly connect with them. And I think worse, what happens is we miss the benefits for their development, for our relationship, for our development, when we fail to connect with them. When we fail to make movements towards connection, it isn't just a lost movement for connection. It's a lost moment 
for a lot of benefits of healthy things that come from that connection. And, and so if you start with that as, as you know, legal child, but then what about adults? What is a way, I was, I was talking to a guy and he's like, I just don't get frustrated with people. And I was like, wow, tell me more about that. He's like, no, seriously, I don't. He said, because one of the things that I ask myself whenever I feel myself being frustrated is what is their story? What's going on in their life that brought them to this point? What are their pains? What's their trauma? What are the things that they're afraid of that they're hoping will meet these needs? Right? So, and I talk to people, I talked to a person recently who has a lot of, of, of very strict habitual behaviors. But he came from a family that basically just does whatever feels good. And he's rejected that, and he's gone very far to the other side. And, and it can be very difficult. Uh, the conversation that I was having with him is his wife was saying how difficult it is to, uh, to, to, to live with him because, you know, if, if it's like, hey, there's three dishes in the sink or a mug in the sink overnight when he wakes up in the morning, he's very frustrated because the mug didn't get put away. And, and his ex- response was, well, I'm afraid that, you know, a little habit will lead to a big habit. And so I am, uh, if, if we just let the one mug sit in the, in the plate, in the, in the plate, the one mug sit in the plate. Imagine that. Imagine if I could talk. The one mug sit in the sink overnight, then, then you know, two nights later, it's three mugs. And, you know, a month later, it's the supper dishes. To which his wife laughed and she's like, there isn't three people in our house. How do we get three mugs in the sink? He's like, you missed the point. Uh, And to which she responded, well, I feel like you're missing the point. But what they were both missing was there was a trauma in his life, his childhood, that created a pain that he carries with him as an adult and it created fear in him. And that fear became the driving motivator in his responses to how he interacted with his life. And if we're going to be good at parenting, if we're going to be good at relating to other people, if we're going to be good at fostering our own self-growth, we have to look for what's going on underneath whatever it is that's going on. And the thing that's underneath what's going on is almost always an emotion. And if the behavior is detrimental, it's reasonable to believe that the emotion underneath the behavior is also detrimental. This is really important in parenting. It's really important in your life. What does it mean to engage what's going on underneath? So the person that's screaming to you about politics is actually probably afraid of something. And you may or may not be able to get through to that fear, but it might help your response if you are able to look at that emotion and identify it. Because real change will come when we can find what emotion is driving our behaviors. So if you are socially avoidant, that's the behavior, but it's probably because of a fear. As a parent, when you can connect to the emotion, you can actually sit with the child. You may or may not fix it. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the phrase fix other people. Uh, I, I think we have to be empowered to fix our own behaviors. And at the same time, we don't need fix. But nonetheless, if we can look for the thing that's underneath the behavior, we will find traction in movement towards health. You've probably heard the phrase, be curious, not judgmental. And and that is really what we're aiming for here. Can you create a curiosity in yourself 
about what the other person is experiencing that you can't see? Can you create a curiosity in yourself about what your children is experiencing or what they're afraid of or what their emotions are that you can't see? So uh, I heard a story about a mom who was rather upset at her children and said something that honestly, I was just like, holy cow, I can't believe she said that. And at the same time, when I run out the emotions, actually, I probably can. She's probably afraid. Uh, she's probably frustrated. There's probably a lot of negative emotions running in there. And here's the thing. I'm not saying we need to excuse behaviors, right? So if you are married to somebody and they scream and holler and they're like, well, it's just because I'm afraid. Okay, like I get that, but you still can't yell at people. You still can't, you know, there are things you can't do. We'll just leave it at that. And, and so we can, we can acknowledge that the behavior needs to change, but it might bring us some level of understanding. It might bring us some level of compassion if we can lean into the idea that we need to start with curiosity about their emotions or their story, right? Wherever you're at today, when this podcast drops, I believe it'll be November 3rd, uh, 2021. Wherever you're at on November 3rd, 2021, you didn't get there in a vacuum. You have a story that brought you to that place. You have a story that brought you to that that pot, that spot of your life. And the hard thing to consider is that those stories often are full of pain and setbacks and hurts. And so as you lean into them, as you wrestle with them, the question becomes... What about the other person's story? What about your kid's story? Do you ever wonder, like, like kids don't interpret life the same way we do. My son, he'll say things to me, and I'm like, wow, I would have never thought of that at his age. And, and he's just processing differently than I am. So I need to be aware of that. I need to be aware of his emotions. And, and we've talked before about creating vocabulary to express emotions. Before we can create the vocabulary, we have to be... Uh, curious about the emotions. We have to be willing to look for the emotions. We have to be willing to to pursue the deeper thing beneath the actions. And one of the things that I think I think trips people up is this idea that we've come to the place in our society where acceptance means I can't change it, or it's really hard to change, so I should just make peace with the fact that it won't change. That's hogwash. You can both accept, hey, you know what? My son, my daughter, my wife, my husband, my neighbor, my sister, my parent, they're doing this because of this emotion. And, and that behavior is still wrong. And I might still need to draw boundaries around it. I might still need to not be involved with that behavior. And I can have better understanding about why they're engaging in it. And then for yourself, Hey, I did this and it drives me crazy. I wish I wouldn't do this. Why do I do that? Oh, because that emotion's driving it. And now you can start having a conversation with yourself about what would it look like to set up a new trigger, right? We often talk about triggers. Triggers are the cool, one of the cool phrases that everybody knows now, oh, that just triggers me. To which my question always, well, what would, what would need to happen for you to position yourself in your life so that your triggers released good behaviors. What would need to happen? You can't really have that conversation if you don't know the emotion that's running underneath the behavior that you're, you want to change. 
I'm, I'm convinced of that. The, the more I'm into counseling, the more I'm into helping people, the more I'm into walking alongside people. You just can't get to that. I have business clients who, when we talk, we're like, okay, so this person here, it's probably best for the company to fire them. Everybody agrees. I'll sit in a meeting with eight people. They all agree. I come back the next week or two weeks later, person's still there. Why? Because somebody's afraid of something. Either they're afraid of a litigical, they're afraid of a litigical, litigious action. They're afraid they're going to get sued. That's another way to say it, probably simpler. They're afraid that the person's going to get mad at them and talk bad about them, or the person's going to get mad at them, talk bad about them, and then walk out the door with three other people. I'm convinced this is one of the reasons that we don't give actual feedback to people anymore. We don't actually give actionable feedback to people often because we're afraid they'll get mad. It's the fear that's driving it. And and if fear is running your life, even if it's running you to good behaviors, you have to ask yourself, how likely is it that fear is a good long-term motivator for health? Not just a long-term motivator, because it probably is a good long-term motivator. But is it a long-term, a good long-term motivator for health? That's the question. So many of the conversations we have today, I watch people explode over things like COVID and politics and elections and policy. And it's not because of the ideology. It's because of the fear that comes from what the person interprets about the ideology. I will often say to people, well, we'll do a series of agree-disagree statements. And we'll talk about, we've talked about the triangle of truth in the past. We'll probably talk about it in the future. But so the triangle of truth, you need to make sure that your inner voice matches what you say you expect when life happens. So that you draw a triangle. The top of the triangle is agree-disagree statements. Lower right is reality. Uh, lower left is inner dialogue. And what you want is when reality matches whatever the agree-disagree statement was, you want the inner dialogue to also match the agree-disagree statement. And so I'll say to people, okay, let's do some easy ones. Uh, Chocolate tastes good. Agree-disagree. And most people say yes. I've had one or two say no. Okay, so when you bite into chocolate, your brain is like, oh, that's good chocolate. Not all chocolate is created equal. Agree, disagree. Most people agree. So when you bite into chocolate that may not be as good as other chocolate, your brain says, oh, that's still good because it's chocolate, but it's not quite as good as that other chocolate that I had the other day. Then we get into the fun ones. Life's hard. Agree, disagree. Most people say yes. Some people start pushing back right there. Okay, fine. So life's hard. What does your brain tell you when life is hard? And often people will be like, well, it tells me it's got to stop right away. But if life's hard, and it is, then when it gets hard, we probably need to start crafting a different response in our brain so that that triangle matches. There are probably thousands, at the very least hundreds, but probably thousands of reasons that your spouse could be frustrated and none of them have anything to, and all of them have nothing to do with you. Agree, disagree. And I'll have people say, I agree. Then what do you do when your spouse is upset and you ask them what's wrong and they say nothing? Are you convinced it's about you? Then your inner dialogue doesn't match your voice. And so once we kind of hash out, hey, life is hard, then the question becomes, or, or the statement becomes, life is hard because it's supposed to be hard. And invariably, I will have people push back on that one about, I don't know, 70, 30, 70% say they agree, 30% say they don't. And often... 
what I find is that the more intense the pushback, the more there is a pain or trauma associated with the pushback. And there is a fear that somehow their pain and trauma will be diminished or dismissed by the idea that life is hard because it's supposed to be hard because that somehow puts a cosmic spin on it that God or, or the greater being or Allah or whatever w- was behind their pain. And if you have a pain that God was behind, you can't really argue with God. And that becomes the uncomfortable pushback right from them is is they're not even thinking that far out because what happens often when we are air quotes triggered into fear is we just respond for safety and so they push back vociferously with great intensity and often that intensity is designed to give them safety uh intense parenting i'm I'm thinking about writing a book uh moving from intensity-based parenting to principle-based parenting and, and I sit with a lot of people that what happens is their triangle gets messed up because I ask them, does yelling actually help your kid learn? And invariably they say no. Or they'll say yes and I'll say, okay, great. So is that why you think drill sergeants yell at recruits? Do they yell because they learn better? The answer is no. The psychological benefit to drill sergeants yelling at recruits is that it stimulates distress responses, it stimulates stress responses, and they're trying to condition their recruits to become soldiers to respond a certain way under duress. It's not to create connection. And so as this triangle runs, one of the things that happens is students and teachers, parents and students or children, husbands and wives, lovers and friends, they, they get in situations where they start yelling at each other or one person's yelling because they're in distress and they're afraid. And if they can get to that emotion and say, wait, wait, relationships are hard because life is hard because life's supposed to be hard because that's how we learn and grow. Relationships are hard because they're worth something and there's nothing in life that is worth something That is easy. It can totally change responses. And that's what we're going after here. Over the next eight weeks, the end of this year, I want you to be aware of the behaviors that create strong responses in you. And I want you to ask yourself some questions about those strong responses. What's underneath the strong response? Is there a pain? Is there a trauma? Is there a fear? Is there a frustration? What's the thing underneath What's going on? What's, what, what's the thing underneath your behaviors? I was talking to a parent recently, and they were very upset. Uh, their church had hired a new student ministry pastor, youth pastor, somebody to lead their youth group, if you're not connected to church, or, a, a, you know, what, what does church lingo mean? And they were like, I'm thinking about leaving. I'm like, okay, well, can I ask what you're afraid of? And they were like, I'm not afraid of anything. I just don't like the guy. I don't think he's a good leader. Okay, but you're afraid of something. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And finally, okay, I'm afraid that my kids aren't going to have an outside influence that is worthy of them. Okay, that's a legit fear. 
Now, maybe leaving is your only option, but let's talk about other options. But you can't have that conversation until they're ready to admit, hey, you know what? I am afraid. I'm afraid that this new hire is a bad hire and it's going to have detrimental long-term effects on my kids. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. Please share this with three of your friends. We should all be sharing more positivity in the world. And if we all commit to just sharing to three people and we ask them to maybe share with one person, we're simply growing the positivity that we're sharing around us. Uh, Stay tuned. Exciting things coming for 2022. I cannot believe that it's almost here. Uh, We are looking forward to uh, all the things that that year may bring. All right, I'm going to say it. Go Braves. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.